Hi, I'm Sifu Henry Araneda. I'm the founder of the Ultimate Martial Arts Academy. And with over 20 years of teaching experience, I've become obsessed with helping people improve their Wing Chun knowledge and skill by teaching them how to approach their training efficiently and effectively. I've created the Wing Chun by Design podcast to give you step-by-step strategies to take your Wing Chun to the next level. So guys, let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Wing Chun by Design podcast. Today is episode 23 and I'm joined again by my longtime student Stefan. Hi Stefan, how are you? Hi Sifu, hi everyone. So today I'm really looking forward to this conversation because see the other night before I was closing up the school, a student approached me and he had watched an, uh, a previous episode and he asked me, how do I know if a technique of mine works, mm-hmm. right, along those lines? So I thought it was a really valid question and a great topic for us to discuss on the podcast. And um, so basically, how do you know if a technique works for you without you going all out, for example? Because that's where he was coming from with this question. He was saying, if we usually spar and in a controlled way, light sparring, and uh, you don't test your technique with full strength, full power going all out, how do you know if a technique works? Yes. And, well, the answer that I gave him was, there are three phases, in my opinion, when you practice and you learn any given technique. One is when you drill the technique as a fighting drill with a training partner. Yes. Two... Um, how you train your technique on the tire dummy. Yes. And three, inspiring. Right. So let's say if you're sparring and you're not still there at a high level, let's just talk about um, in general martial arts terms, call it a black belt. Yeah. Okay. Even though other schools or styles will have other ranking systems but in general when you say black belt you kind of have an idea of what we're talking about with a high level student or someone who is um, quite proficient with their techniques so let's say you're not there yet and I always encourage our students to go light when you're sparring in a light fashion the main thing is safety You want to take care of yourself and you want to take care of your training partner. Having said that, there are still many, many different elements that you you are working on and perfecting. Yes. For example, how how do you control distance, timing, and are you able to apply whatever comes into your mind? Yep. Because many times you have information overload. Too many techniques in your head and you can't seem to execute any of them because when you're sparring even if it's light things are happening very quickly and you may think i want to do this but the moment is gone the other person already moved on to a different combo or you got punched in the face yeah you got kicked in the gut what do i do then how do i recover from that so one cannot discard say sparring light as uh something that's not beneficial for your training because it has its place once you've mastered all those elements that i just mentioned and say you're at that level of a black belt 
um, person, then you can go full contact because you have great control and you have all these elements where you know how to stop the other person from reaching you, from getting you. So you're responding to what they're throwing at you in the, the way that you want to respond. Yes, because what I said to the student was, number one, you should ask yourself two questions. Number one, can I stop someone from hitting me? Yeah. Right? Can I stop them? Am I able to stop my opponent? That's the first question. The second question, can he stop me? Yes. If you know the other person can't stop you, once you fully commit and you're all in, that person can't stop you, 50% of the fight is already won. Mm. But the most important one is, can you stop him? Yeah, I, I've found that in, in the past, when I'm sparring someone, you know, everyone has their go-to attacks, the things that they think their, of, their offense is based around. And if you start chipping away at those tools, they go from plan A to plan B to plan C, and you see them losing confidence because you're taking away their main weapons yep. and then it really impacts how the bout will go because their confidence diminishes. So that's a way to judge how you're doing in terms of your defense. If you come Exactly. Because if you have your go-to techniques and let's say you have five of them yep. and any time you pick one of those five, you see that you're successful at applying it, yep. then that gives you the feedback and you say to yourself, hey, anytime I try any of my five techniques, no one can stop me. Yep. So that is what builds your confidence. Yep. Right? Now, can I stop the other person? No one goes from zero to 100 like that. So there is a process in you learning how to stop your opponent. Yep. One of them being, and you could say the most important one, is with your fighting drills. Yeah. At least that's how I teach, that's how I was taught, that's how we train. So when you're learning a technique, of course, you take your time, you go step by step, but then soon after, the person you're working with has to feed you those attacks randomly. Left side, right side, in front, moving back, breaking the rhythm Everyone tends to train yes. following a rhythm. One, two, three. You go now. And one, two, three. And then let me put my guard up and I'm looking good. Now you go again. That's okay when you're an absolute beginner. Yep. But then you have to break the rhythm because there is no such thing as, wait, 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 give me a moment. Let me put my guard up. Let me put my stance here and there and then go for it. Or wait, I made a mistake. Hang on. Can you do it again? That doesn't work in a fighting situation. So if you manage to stop your training partner anytime he or she is attacking and you do it with proper form and you're counterattacking, you're following up, you're intercepting, you're in charge, right? You're controlling the situation. That already gives you an understanding as to where you're at in terms of being able to stop someone from attacking you. Yeah, I, I feel like when... I train techniques, I want to feel some sort of 
pressure like to when I'm executing them. So then that sort of creates a that that sort of thing that you'll experience in a fight. Like it's not quite that, but you're under pressure. Like the if the person's attacking randomly and fast, you're you're it's like doing a circle drill. Yep. You know, you don't know what you, you turn and you, then you have to react and you have to execute as fast as you can. So even it, in my mind when I'm doing things, I constantly I'm like trying to be create that alertness. So then s- somehow that's getting into my system as opposed to being passive and kind of just going with, you know, like in that rhythm. And something as simple as for everyone who's just listening to this podcast and not watching us on YouTube, I want you to imagine this. Let's say I'm standing in front of you and I'm just launching a jab. Right. And all you need to do is stop my jab. You can use any technique you want. Yeah. I go one, bang. Yeah. I go two, bang. All right. So then you find the timing and you get it right. So now we say, okay, for the next three minutes, we're going to work on one round where I'm going to do exactly the same thing. Just feed you a jab and you do your thing. All right. One, bang. One, two, bang. Three, bang. And then I stop and I move around and I move around and I'm waiting and I'm switching and I boom. And here I go again. And then again. and, And then I stop and then I move away from you. And then I go again, right? So breaking the rhythm like that, actually the same technique you were working on becomes a completely different beast. It becomes, yeah, and it's mentally exhausting. It is. After you do three minutes of that. You're tired. You're tired. And, and, you know, it's not just physically tired, you're mentally tired. Yeah, it drains you because you're always on high alert. Is he coming now? Is he stopping? Is he moving? Or is it a fake? Over there, outside, let's say people in general, don't work against the fake mm. enough, in yep. my opinion. I see everyone, especially in the Wing Chun community, everyone fully commits yep. to a known technique. Yes. You give me the Yachi Chung Choi, I do this. You, I, I saw recently, it, it popped up on my feed on social media, this really well-known uh, Wing Chun Sifu from Hong Kong. And he is showing a kick defense. Right. Okay. And he's on a stage. He's obviously doing a demonstration in Hong Kong. And the student launches a high round kick. And he just goes forward with, you know, like a stomp kick or a push kick to the leg that the student is standing on and, you know, drops him, like, right. like sweeps him with a front kick. And then everyone's like, wow, wow, this is very impressive. And he does it again. And he also uh, mentions this is the correct way. Uh, And he brings up Tony Leung, how he um, fractured his forearm while he was practicing for the Grandmaster film. Like, ah, that's not Wing Chun because in Wing Chun we do... Okay. Obviously, that person does not train against fakes. Let's just picture the same scenario. He's standing in front of me. I am meant to give him a round kick. He shoots nice and fast, straight through the center line to get the leg that I'm standing on. Does it work? Of course it works when you know what's coming. Yep. Let's say he's ready, I'm drilling it. I throw a round kick, he does a technique. And after say three, four, five kicks, I choose to fake. And as the round kick is coming and it's halfway, I retract, bang, and I go with a straight punch to the face. 
you're going to walk into the punch yep. because you're fully committing to the unknown. So that's the main problem with you not training the way that I'm mentioning and the way I was taught where you have to break the rhythm. You have to launch some fakes. And then that's just against one technique. Once you get to the level where you're able to do this, stopping multiple techniques randomly, knees, elbows, punches, kicks, uh, attempt to, uh, for a takedown, then you're at a good stage where you know you can stop someone. Yeah. And it's so, a psychological thing because you, those other, you know, those other Wing Chun people or whatever, they're looking at the best case scenario. For them. For them. Yeah, exactly. So then if that scenario doesn't, what do you, how do you react, how, you know, mentally recover your position? And that's why when you were saying about drilling, when you're doing it randomly and breaking the rhythm and stuff, you're constantly problem solving because your techniques aren't always going to come off perfectly. And you mentioned a word that's key, recover. Yeah. How do you recover when you stuff it up? Yeah. How do you recover when you fully committed to one side and the kick, the guys suddenly switched and came on the other side? How do you recover? How good is your footwork? Yeah. Right? You, the footwork, the stances are everything. That's what's holding you up. That's what's supporting your technique. Yeah. Are you able to switch and shift and, you know, jam and get away and raise and kick and punch and all those things? So these are all the elements that come together with what we're discussing today to yep. see if your technique works. Yeah, because it, it's never going to be perfect, a perfect scenario. It's never going to play out the way you expect. And that's yeah. why all this randomness. <laughs> when you say that, see, anytime I see someone practicing Wing Chun with a silk uniform, <laughs> it just makes me wonder how hard are you really training? Yeah. All right. Is there any pull and push, give and take, thrusting, pushing, grabbing or something when you're, well, when you're wearing an, uh, like a formal Chinese yep. suit that is meant for <laughs> you to go to a wedding, not to fight. Yep. Anyway, that's a side note. <laughs> um, that's why we wear most of the time shorts and a t-shirt. Yep. Now, the second phase, in my opinion, is working on the tie dummy mm. because then you can go all out. You can really push it in terms of power in terms of endurance, because the tie is always there. It will not get tired on you. It will not get injured on you. And it's just ready for more. Yeah. That's the second phase. Third phase, sparring. Yep. So that's when you start to put all these elements together. Yeah. Once you put these three uh, elements into one, then that will give you a pretty good understanding if your technique works or not. Also, what I recommend when training, not always to train with the same person mm. because then you get comfortable yeah. and you need to push yourself because we've all got strengths and weaknesses. You need to be able to adapt. And if I can stop your kick, can I stop the next person's? I don't know, right? I'm just saying. And that's how you start to, um, you know, test your skills. I have a question. Sure. So what is the, there's, there is a benefit to fighting within your capacity. Right. 
what is that like you know what's you, the benefit yeah when you're you're sparring fear like, management right that's it yeah fear management but that's call it up to a certain point you know when you're just learning yeah when you're up and coming when you're starting to grow your wings and you start to feel that everything is coming into place and it's looking that is all that you're doing because it's like throwing you in the deep end of the pool when you're not ready mm. most of the times when someone's punching your face fear kicks in I'm t- yeah just say me for example you know someone that's a bit senior like we're bigger and we're heavier and we're stronger or whatever and there's a tempo that we have to fight like just say we're fighting someone that's new or a little less experienced than us we need to spar at a certain level like do you know what i mean like i'm, I'm going to be light i'm going to be technical but i'm holding back so psychologically i've i've got to find new goals to work on in so in terms of delivering power do you know do you know what i'm trying to get at? i i don't i don't fully endorse the the holding back on skill right right i do endorse holding back on power right okay because the the student let's say less experienced than you in yep. this case if that person is sparring you yep. i would expect you to still go fast yep and show that person what they can aspire to one day right. learn and become yeah and give them a sense of reality yes like oh i'm out of my yep. league right here yep. right here because this person is wow like yeah yeah and that is a good thing in my opinion as long as you're holding back on power you're not hurting them right but if you say now once we've done the round let me help you with this yes. and now we can drill it yes. and now we can you know work on a sequence perfect that to me is a perfect scenario yeah. because if not just you but if anyone who has a ton of experience and you tend to Uh, I'll use a word maybe it's not that appropriate but like dumb it down yes. right like slow it down to a to a level where the other person almost feels like hey I can catch you like I can I, I got you there yeah. or I I can kick you and oh you're not stopping it then that to me it's is counterproductive good. yeah yeah that's why they've got students that are roughly at their own level and they can you know manage to play the game yeah. um with that skill set and then yeah if you're going with someone higher Uh, they should feel that you're controlling is somehow right. In, in, you are in control, but, but yeah, but they have to see that. Hang on, I, I, I can't do anything against yeah. this person, even if I tried to. Yeah, and that to me is a good thing. Yeah, it lifts everyone exactly because that's what you want. You want to lift the other person's game, yeah. not drop yours. Yeah, right. Um, so that's pretty much it. So the three phases, if I go at it again, it's um, once you learn the technique, you drill it to a certain level uh, where you know you can stop the person, okay? Uh, second, if you want to work on power, right, explosiveness, you have to find yourself either a tie dummy or a punching bag yep. or even having someone hold pads for you. Yeah. That's definitely a, a big Viable. bonus, And then three sparring. 
And you can go light sparring. I've said it in episodes in the past. I've sparred many people and the higher level practitioners that I've seen uh, all over, they all spar nice and light because you don't need to go hard to see if something works. You don't need to go hard to see if I can control the pace. And uh, yep, that. And then, look, if you want to go full contact, go for it. But then both people have to be engaged and they know what's about to happen. You wear your protective equipment and go for it. Well, if you're landing stuff light, you're going to land it when you throw it. Exactly. Exactly. I think it was this um, uh, sister act. That comedy with Whoopi Goldberg Love and the, the yeah, good movie and the the nun, the little chubby one. She, someone asked, uh, "How do you know, like, if you've never been with someone, and uh, as a nun?" And she says something like, "Well, I don't need to eat the donut or the gel to know that it's sweet, <laughs> yeah. right? It's yeah. just use common sense. If yeah. I can connect the punch on you, light, well, that means I can also connect it yeah. heavy." Right, so guys, everyone listening, if you have any comments or questions or would you or you would like us to follow up on something, please let us know. You can write it down in the comments and we'd be happy to answer any comments or, or, or questions you may have. So that's it for today, guys. Thanks, Stefan. Thanks, Stefan. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. All right, bye-bye.